Hey everyone, this is Leela Sinha. Welcome to Power Pivot, the podcast version two. This is where we talk about business, leadership, ethics, community, and the way it all fits together. I'm glad you're here. So I've been thinking about vows. I've been thinking about vows because one of my teachers had us go through this process where we released vows that were not serving us that we might have made by inadvertent processes in the early parts of our lives. And who oh, was that powerful? I wasn't surprised. Of course it was powerful. How could that work not be powerful? And you know, sometimes when you release something, you can just let it be released and that's it. It's like a bird. It flies away. No problem. Other times when you release something, you're left with something. You're left with a, a hole. It, it removes itself from a space and you have to decide if that space is just going to get kind of healed over, like if you have a tooth pulled, or if you're going to put something back in that space. We learned in science when I was, I don't know, in seventh grade or so, that nature hates a vacuum. As it turns out, that's very true. Any open space will eventually be filled in by something. And so the question that I've been thinking about and wrestling with and praying on this morning is, what happens when we release some of those really deep ingrained vows? Especially ones around things like money and power. And specifically, I got to thinking about vows of poverty. Now, vows of poverty, historically very connected to religious practice um, across different faiths. Many vowed religious people make a vow of poverty, and they make a vow of poverty to devote themselves more fully to the work of the Spirit. That's, that's the usual shape of the thing. And the idea is not that they are so poor that they can't eat or can't have a place to sleep. The idea is that the church, the religious institution of one kind or another, takes care of them, and they, in turn, devote their time and energy and talents and spirit to the relationship with the sacred and to this kind of religious leadership. And there are lots of good reasons why that's true. It's easier, if you don't have any other commitments, to devote yourself to a community um, or to a tradition. And it does sort of help focus you because there's nothing else, right? So so there, there are things that that people do, there are reasons that people make deliberate vows of poverty that make sense in context. So I'm not, I, I, I'm only thinking about those as the beginning point because I think, I know I have, I know a lot of other people, especially people, liberal people, um, have made similar vows, but kind of by accident, looking around, seeing at the kinds of destruction that um, that wealth and power have wrought on our world and deciding that, you know, in the, in the common parlance, eat the rich, right? That, that there is some level of wealth above which wealth is immoral. And I don't actually have an argument with that. I think there is a level of wealth above which there's no way to have accrued it without causing immense harm. And I don't want to be part of something that causes immense harm. However, there's a lot of space between that and poverty. 
And we live in a world at this point where nobody, and I mean nobody, should be going without housing, without food, without clothing, without their basic needs met. Like, that should just be a given, and it's not. And that that's a gut punch every time I think about it. And also, there are a lot of people who are between those two poles. There, there are a lot of folks who have some, but not really enough to get by. They're making it, but they're making it by the skin of their teeth. And I have been in that position in my lifetime over and over and over. So I'm thinking about this in a very personal way. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean to, to accidentally swear that you're never going to be rich because rich people are bad? Because that's what we do. And then I was thinking about, well, there must be, as there are, right? When I think about intensives and expansives, I figured out who intensives were. And then I was like, well, there must be another end to this, to this spectrum. So if there are people who inadvertently make vows of poverty, there must be people also in our world who are inadvertently making vows of prosperity. And I don't mean prosperity gospel, like let's just not even, I'm not even going there. You can look it up on Wikipedia if you want, but uh, that is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> but but it, people who in the going about their lives, either because their families were prosperous or because their context was not prosperous and they were not doing that, make a vow of prosperity. They make a vow that th- that is never going to be them, that they are going to rise up from that position to a place of prosperity and stay there. I think a lot of immigrants do this. I'm pretty sure my father did this. But I think a lot of people who aren't immigrants do this too. I think, I think that there, there is a stratum where about half the people make a vow of poverty because they're so hurt and angry at what wealth has done in our world and the other half make a vow of prosperity because they are not about to get trapped under the boot of, of class inequality. So I've been thinking, like, what would it mean for me to take a vow of prosperity? What would it mean for me to take a vow of prosperity? And by thinking, I mean, it came to me in prayer, and then I had to think about it. Um, But you don't have to arrive there that way. You can get there by straight up logical means. What does it mean to take a vow of prosperity? And this got me thinking about power and the intersection of power and money, which, as some of you know, is a big deal to me. I think about it a lot. When you take a vow of poverty, you are relinquishing access to a particular kind of power. Not all power, but you are relinquishing access to the power that comes with having money in what we live in, which is a capitalist society. You may be gaining other kinds of power or not, depending on your community, depending on the context of power, but you're definitely relinquishing access to that particular power that comes with wealth. So when you take a vow of prosperity, first you have to define prosperity. Is it about money? Is it about other kinds of resources, social prosperity? Is it about, um, is it about resource prosperity? Is, what, what is the vow really? Because prosperity is this kind of amorphous word where we understand poverty be, to be very closely linked to money. We don't really think about what that means 
on the other side. So first, I'm thinking about like, what would prosperity mean to me? I have so much prosperity already. I have lots of prosperity, just not to do with money, but I have prosperity when it comes to I have prosperity when it comes to social context. I have prosperity when it comes to resources. I have prosperity when it comes to the resources that come from social context. I have deep and abiding relationships that help to hold me up. That offer me shelter. That offer me care. That offer me a buffer that other people don't have. So what would prosperity mean? What would a vow of prosperity mean? How would it be different from what's happening right now? Where would I be directing it? And then and then it's about thinking about this power piece because if you vow poverty, you're you're removing something, but when you vow prosperity, you're vowing access to, whether or not you access it, you're vowing access to that particular kind of power that comes from prosperity. You're vowing access to resources. You're vowing access to a bunch of stuff. And most of us who make inadvertent vows of poverty do so at least in part because we don't want to be like somebody else or some other institution or some entity that we've seen be evil with power that we perceive having come from money. So what happens instead when we vow prosperity and access to those kinds of power, whether we choose to access them or not, we're vowing access to those kinds of power, and immediately it becomes obvious to me that you can't make, that I can't make a vow of prosperity in integrity, in isolation. Because prosperity happens in community. Prosperity happens as a result of community, of interaction, of resources, of things that are not actually mine, but things that I might have access to for a while. And prosperity brings with it this power, and so there needs to be a vow or several vows that go with it. Vows like integrity, vows like kindness, vows like generosity. In order, in order to, to ensure to the greatest extent possible that prosperity is not a corrupting force. Because I think that's what we're mostly afraid of, is that we will be corrupted by it. We will be corrupted in its presence. We will be corrupted and then we will wield the power that we got from the prosperity for less good ends or for bad ends. And the only way, the only way to mitigate that possibility, because it's a real possibility, we can't turn away from it. When we are deliberately accruing power in some way or other, including via prosperity, then we have to engage the questions of kindness and generosity. We have to engage the questions of integrity. How will we stay in integrity when we have power? And that's the question, isn't it? 
so often when people rise to power, their integrity cracks. And people who were amazing lose some of their shine. I don't know a single person who wants to be that person. I do know people who have been that person. I don't want to follow in their footsteps. So, how how will we stay in integrity? How shall we be in integrity while holding power? And what does that mean? That's the question. This has been Power Pivot, the podcast. I'm your host, Leela Sinha. Thank you for listening. I offer gratitude for the earth and sky and the support and care of many who cross my path. Our post-production assistance is provided by William Jameson, and you can find him at jamesonav.net. You can find more of me and my work, including leadership consulting and keynotes, at intensiveinstitute.com.